And we're going to share something that's very, very, um, we're, it's just very, we're passionate about it is what I'm horribly yeah. trying to say. Yeah. And uh, we're just, it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good time. Yeah. But our number one goal, I want to mention this right in the beginning. Our number one goal that we hope to accomplish today is that you meet Jesus yes. in a deeper way. Yes. And you may need to meet Jesus for the very first time, or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time. We, yeah. And if that's the case, we want you to go deeper and deeper yes. with him yeah. because his love never, ever, ever stops. So He's always chasing after you. Yeah. So that's our one and only goal today. Yeah. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time. But that is the number one goal. We've, we've already had a powerful time of worship, yeah. and so we're just going to keep on worshiping Jesus because he's worthy of our praise. Yeah. But before we get started, I just want to take a moment and celebrate what I think are the best lead pastors yes. on the planet. Yes. Come on, somebody. Yes. Pastor Chad. Yes, Pastor Don. And Pastor Don Everett. Amazing. They are absolutely incredible. Yes. And I could spend the rest of the time up here <laughs> just talking about how much they mean to us yes. and how much they love all of you. Yeah. Uh, they're just they're just amazing. And so, their heart is for you to meet Jesus as well. That's right. And so we just get to help administer that to you guys today because, again, like Kevin mentioned, we want you to encounter Jesus. That's it. I don't want you to encounter amazing words that we have, amazing worship. Encounter our best friend, Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, come find me after service. I'd love to introduce you to him because he is everything. That's right. And so we're thankful that you've yeah. joined us today, whether you're joining us here in the North City auditorium. If you're part of our E-Roads family, yeah. welcome. Uh, we hope that uh, you feel right at home. And Rhodes Church, I don't know if you know this, but at the Mount Carmel campus, yes. there are some amazing yes. individuals. So we want to give them a special shout out and just What's welcome up, our Mount Carmel, Carmel campus. Woo! Love you guys. Yeah. And whenever you guys come up for the merge service on yes. March the 3rd, they're going to be waiting to meet you if you yes. haven't met some of them yet. They're yeah. some of the best people on the planet. They are. And so please yeah. come on up to that. It's going to be a powerful night of worship. So yeah. we can't wait for that. And so what we want to do is we just want to have a conversation with you guys. And the title of our message today is called Naked Living. Yeah. Naked Living. And you may be asking yourself, why in the world... Did you choose that title? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because we believe that God wants every area of our life to be transparent, yeah. open, naked, no yeah. secrets, raw, honest, yeah. vulnerable, yeah. all of those things. And so we're just going to chat about it today. Yeah. And communication is the key to living that naked life. Yeah. So again, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have fun, and uh, it's just, I can't wait. Yep. I know God's going to do some amazing things. Yeah. So we're going to start, we're going to be focusing on one of our core values, which is we do life together. Relationships make us stronger. And so if relationships make you stronger, then the opposite is true, that if you don't have relationship, you're weaker. <clears throat> so what we want to do today is just help encourage you in your relationships, whether it be your spouse relationship, your parent relationship, your friends, your kids. We want to encourage you to mend those fences if there's some division there. We want to encourage you to say that the enemy is a liar. He's deceiving you and telling you that you're better off alone. 
That's a lie. That you're better together with people that you want to do life with. Absolutely. So here's what we're going to do. I want you first to strap in because it may feel like that you're drinking out of a fire hydrant. Okay? We're going to hit you with a lot of information, and it's just because we're so passionate about communication and and the power behind it. So let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. Uh, Whether you're sitting here in North City, if you're part of our E-Roads family, or at the Mount Carmel campus, get your Bibles out, whether that's on your phone, your tablet, whatever you use to open up the Word of God. And here at the Rhodes Church, we get excited about the Word of God because we know it's life, it's powerful, and it will change us forever. So open up those Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Come on, somebody. All right. All right, so here we go. Are you guys ready? We got two people that's ready. Mount Carmel, are you ready? I can't hear them either. I know. <laughs> North City, are you ready? Yeah. All right. All right, here we go. We're going to start Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Yeah. So, little backstory quickly that God created everything. Right? Most of us know that story. And the first issue or the first problem he noticed is that man should not be alone. And it says, I love the wording in the New King James Version. It says that he made him a helper, a helper, a helper, a helper. Not someone that's going to say, hey, I'm the boss. You're going to do this. No, that's not what it says. He made him a helper. He made him a companion. And just I love the way that that states it and explains it that way. So just for time's sake, let's jump down to verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds in the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, And he brought her to the man, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And that's just a beautiful illustration of unity right in the beginning between husband and wife or, or man and woman. Verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so that's where the title of this message comes from, that we want to have naked living. Because in this scripture, this is before sin entered the world. And Amy and I, we believe that Adam and Eve, they were obviously, it talks about they were naked, so they probably didn't have clothes on. They didn't have a, they weren't rocking a new pair of Levi's or nothing like that. So they were, they were naked, yes, in their physical appearance, but we believe that communication was naked yeah. as well. Yeah. It was transparent. It was open. There were no secrets. There were no secrets yeah. between Adam and Eve, and there were no secrets. Everything was just out in the open. Yeah. And so whenever you get to that point in your relationship, it says they were not ashamed. And so... What the world tries to tell us is that if we become vulnerable 
that there's going to be shame that happens. Yeah. But that's just, the, that's just not the kingdom mindset. No. Because the truth, which is our word, tells us that they were naked and they were not ashamed. Yeah. And so whenever that thought comes about, well, I can't, I can't say that to my spouse or yeah. that's a lie. Yeah. That's a lie. Just have open, honest communication. And, and like, it, like Kevin mentioned, especially for men, I want to caution you guys that the world tells you that you're men, you got to have it together, don't you cry, don't you show emotion, that's a lie. So when you hold those things in, you're giving the enemy just a field day of dealing with your mind and t- speaking lies to you that you start to grab hold of and then you start to walk those things out and that's a lie. Be vulnerable. Now, yes, you have to be careful who you're vulnerable to but your spouse is the best one to be vulnerable with. Yeah, so go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so what we're going to do is just simply talk about what Amy and I call our loves. Yeah. And our loves, it's a priority list of who we love and who we communicate with. Now, wait, and we so, love everybody. I'm sorry? We love everybody. It's we do. It's not just who we love. We do. But this is a priority list or there a hierarchy is that big fancy word I was tar- terribly trying to find. <laughs> And so, so first and foremost, and it goes right along with the number one core value that we have here at the Rhodes Church, is that we want to be with him because his presence is everything. His presence just isn't, well, I mean, it's pretty cool on Sundays. No, it's everything. We want to be with him every single moment of every single day. It doesn't matter what day it is. And so our, going back to the list of our loves is, Number one has to be Jesus, yeah. our communication with Jesus. So we're going to talk about that briefly. Number two has to be our spouse. Yeah. Number two, our spouse. Yeah. Number three is our children. Yeah. And then four through the rest of the list, then, then you get to fill that in and, yeah. and whatever God puts on your heart. So Jesus, yeah. number one, always number one in all that we do. Yeah. Number two, your spouse. Number three, children. Yeah. And so communication with God It happens in a few different ways. It happens through worship, what we just had a powerful time of. And David even talks about that in the book of Psalms. Mm -hmm. He worshiped the Lord unashamed. And at times where he danced and people were trying to get him to chill out. And he was like, no, I'm going to do it more. And and so he just worshiped. And so that's one way we can communicate with God. Another way is through prayer. And look at prayer this way. If you only pray whenever you feel like it, or whenever you think you need to, you're already late to the game because your yeah. spirit's already starving. Yeah, it's just good. like if you only eat regular food, whenever you get hungry, your body is already starting to make changes yeah. and you're not aware of it, but your body knows it. Yep, that's good. And so we have, that's, called, that's why it's called our daily bread. Yeah. And something that Amy and I have gotten a habit of is that we want to we honor God with the first in every area of our life. Yeah. And so the first thing that we do whenever we wake up is we grab our phone and look at the verse of the day, the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app. It's awesome. It has a verse of the day. And so we look at that. The very first thing that we put in front of our eyes is the truth yeah. about our situation, about ourselves. Yeah. So I encourage you to do that. Yeah, so that's, that's another good. way to communicate with God. And then, let's see. Did I, I just want to tag into worship. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> something that the Lord's been speaking to me a whole lot about is worship. And that there's a lot of times that we just, man, pride gets in the way. Like, I don't want to look silly. I don't want to go out there and jump. 
Like, what if, what if I just look silly? What if somebody's looking at me over here going, what is she doing? She's acting crazy. Well, just like David said, he said, I'll be even more, right? More, more. That's what we're after is the more of God. And he's inviting you into that. So he's inviting that that atmosphere that we have that we're willing to say, you know what, I don't care what I look like because let me remind you of something that sometimes we forget about is that he's the creator of the universe, but he's also the creator of you. That's right. That he created everything inside of you. He gave you the lungs that you have to breathe. He gave you the legs to jump on, the feet to jump on, the hands to wave around and jump around and act crazy because he's worth it, isn't he? That's right. That's right. And so who are we to say, well, I don't want to look silly. I just don't know if I should do that. No way. Get up here. When it comes time to worship, I encourage, I challenge you. The next time you have an opportunity at a worship service, fill up these altars and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he's worth it. He deserves it. He is worthy. He is holy. And that's, that is true worship. It's a heart. It's a heart that's saying, I'm coming after you, God, no matter what it looks like. I don't care if I look silly. I'm coming after you with everything that I've got. So I encourage you guys, that's your number one relationship is Jesus. And so shouldn't you give him your best? So I encourage you guys. I encourage myself. Let's give God our best. That's right. Because he didn't give us any leftovers. He gave us his best. And his name is Jesus. And worship, it's not about us. it's It's about him. So we need to get over ourselves at times. It's not about us at all. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the king. Yeah. And so just like Amy talked about, give it all you got during worship. And it's just a powerful way to communicate with God. So, okay. So moving on with communication with our spouse. Remember, our spouse yeah. was number two. Yeah. Marriage is designed to involve three people. It's not just husband and wife. It involves three people. Husband, wife, God. God has to be intertwined in every part of your marriage. Not just on certain days or certain feel-good situations. or No, no, no. He has to be intertwined and weaved in all parts of your marriage. And Ecclesiastes, verse 4. I'm sorry. I'll read it. It's chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, early on in our marriage, the pastor that married us gave us this great illustration of a triangle. And he put Kevin on one side and Amy on this side and God up here. And he told us, you chase Jesus, you chase God, you guys will get closer together. I was like, man, that's cute. We'll see. (laughs) We didn't do it. I'm just being honest. We didn't do it. And so we thought, well, we'll we'll do our thing over here. God's cool on Sunday morning. Right. But we're going to hang out over here and we're going to figure this whole thing out because we're smart. We know what we're doing. We've got this whole married thing figured out. We didn't have it figured out. And so finally we decided, you know what? What we're doing is not working. We should maybe try God's way. So we put Jesus in the forefront of our mind, and I chased Jesus with everything that I had. Kevin used to sit on the throne of my heart. He used to be Lord of my heart. It was all about Kevin. 
and I'm wrong, it's all about Jesus. That's right. Jesus has to sit on the throne of your heart and then your spouse. That's right. Okay, so I'm over here. And I'm chasing Jesus, and Kevin's over there, and he's chasing Jesus, and little by little, wouldn't you know it, it actually was true. We were getting closer and closer. See, I don't take hints very well. Right. I was helping. That's right. But we began to get closer, and then we actually became one flesh, which is what God designed for us, for us to be one flesh. We're not two halves making a whole. We're two wholes joining together and becoming one. Okay, so I just encourage you in your spouse relationship, if you're chasing Jesus and your spouse is chasing Jesus, it'll happen. You're going to get closer together. And before you know it, when people look at you, they can't tell if they're looking at you or him because you're together. That's right. You're just one flesh. That's right. And things are still going to come up. Of course, Absolutely. you know, situations are going to come up. And I just challenge all of you, don't look at it as, well, that's a her problem. Right. That's a her issue. Yeah. No, no. Just like whenever Amy talked about, whenever we're side by side, this is an our issue. Yeah. This isn't just, well, that's a your problem and yeah. I've got, no, no. You're together. You're, you're right. on the same team. Yeah. You're on the same team. So it's our issue and we, we are going to get through it together with God's help. Because he's with us as well. We just might stand like that the rest of service. That's right. That's right. Is this okay? And so uh, one thing I do want to mention, though, is um, it's not good to use the F word in your relationship. Now, not that (laughs) F word. That's everybody got it. We're in church, people. (laughs) We can't be getting our head in the gutters. No, the F word that I'm talking about is, and Amy and I have done this probably 32,000 times. Mm-hmm. I'll say, hey, what's, what's going on? Is anything wrong? I'm fine. Really? Really? No, you're not fine. And she says that. She communicates that. Well, I mean, she, okay, anyway. And so <laughs> she communicates that she's fine. Yeah. But in there, she's not fine. No. And so what fine. Really what you're doing is you're just missing them. That's right. Like, I'm not fine, but I really don't want to talk to you about it right now. So I'm just dismissing you. That will get you to shut your mouth because I don't want to talk about this right now. So we have declared that word is a bad word in our house. We're not allowed to say fine anymore. Because when you say fine, what are you saying? I'm faking, I'm ignoring, I'm neglecting, and I'm evading. Yeah. I want to act like that. Yeah, I mean, that's not really there. We're just going to, you know, turn our head and hope it just goes away. We don't want to deal with it. No, you can't do that. No. You can't do that. You just have to communicate what's on your heart. Yeah. And so I encourage all of you, be intentional about your time together and be intentional about your communication. Because things just don't happen on accident most of the time. We have to be intentional with our time and with our effort. Yeah. And so what Amy and I do is in the evening time, We will make time, we're intentional about it, to find out what's on your heart today. And she knows and I know that this is a safe place. Meaning that whatever she wants to share, I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to what she says. I'm going to put my phone down. I'm going to turn the TV off. I'm not going to check social media. I'm not going to. Come on. All the attention is on her in that time. 
I've already had my time with Jesus, yeah. and now all my attention is on her. Yeah. And so she's going to have, in a safe place, she's going to tell me what's on her heart, and it might last 50 seconds or it might last 50 minutes. Right. Whatever she wants to share, and I'm going to listen. Yeah. And then I know I get to do the same for her. That's right. Because if it's important to her, it's important to me. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. And so it's a safe place, and she knows that she can share whatever. So how many of you guys know that whenever something's on your heart, and it might start off pretty small and not a big deal, but it's on your heart and you don't share it and just sits there, and the enemy's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start adding to that. And before long, what started off as a little ant in the room of your heart ends up being an elephant in the room of your heart. And then what happens? It explodes one day, and they're like, what in the world just happened? Well, it's because I chose, I chose not to let him know something small that was on my heart that day. And don't listen to the lie of the enemy that tells you that he doesn't really care. He doesn't want to hear this. He doesn't want to hear that I was emotional today. Like, oh man, she's emotional again. That is a lie. If he is your spouse, he's not your spouse, he's mine. <laughs> your spouse cares. They care. They want to know what's on your heart. They want to know what's going on in here. And they want to know what's going on in here. Because right there is when you cut the enemy's legs out from under him in your marriage. In that moment when you choose, I'm not going to let that settle on my heart. It can't stay there. It's got to go. So we speak it out. We expose the lie. And then our spouse can then speak the truth back to us in love and remind us what the word says. And guess what? Enemies defeated. We move on. It doesn't become a really big issue that later we're like, man, they just exploded on me because I didn't put the water away. Like, what in the world just happened? That wasn't the issue. It was something that happened months ago. Absolutely. And do you know a, <clears throat> a statement that is... It's just silly once I think about it. And this statement is, well, just, just treat your spouse the way you want to be treated. That sounds pretty nice, right? That sounds like a good thing to go off of. But let me challenge you this. Don't treat your spouse the way they treat you. Treat your spouse the way God treats you. Yeah. And he loves you unconditionally with no strings attached. Right. He doesn't show you love whenever you've acted like or been a good boy or girl. That's not what he does. He's always extending grace. His mercies are new every day. He loves you unconditionally. Yeah. And we have to treat our spouse that way with yeah. that same unconditional love. Yeah. So treat, treat your spouse the way that God treats you. Yeah. And you'll see your marriage just flourish and grow and become stronger. Yeah, that's really good. And so as we're moving on to the last, the communication with our children is the last point we want to talk about. And I shared this with Amy just a moment ago. During worship, God put something on my heart that he wants to do something today with children. Yeah. And what he showed me is that as parents, we need to be able to communicate and speak identity into our children. Yeah. Because children, their identity is being... The, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeah. That's, that's his goal, yeah. Right? And so one of the areas he's trying to do that in is identity in children is what God put on my heart earlier. Yeah. And so we just want to disarm the enemy. 
and say, no, not on our watch. Right. Not on our watch. And there's a few ways that you can disarm the enemy. You can teach your children what the word says. Yeah. Because if they only hear the word from our amazing Rhodes Kids ministry, then that's simply not enough in this world. Because the world is begging. They're yeah. begging, they're begging to yeah. teach them the opposite. Yeah. They're begging too. So we have to go and just keep pouring into them and show them the heart of Jesus. Yeah. And at times use words. Yeah. That's really good. Show them that Monday through Saturday. Yeah. Because it's kind of easy to do it on Sunday, right? Mm -hmm. We're all fired up, especially after a worship experience like right. that. Yeah. We're all fired up. We're like, yeah, you know, Jesus is amazing. But if your kids see something different, yeah. the rest of those days, what's likely to happen whenever they get older? Yeah. They'll be like, I don't want to go to church yeah. because mom and dad or whoever yeah. is raising them. They didn't show them the heart of Jesus every single day. And now that's not saying that you have to be perfect parents because I got news for you in case you didn't know. I am not a perfect parent. Kevin is not a perfect parent. All that means is, is showing him the heart of God is that it's okay to make mistakes you just own up to them. So if you've lost your mind and you just yelled at your kids and you're like, man, I shouldn't have done that. It's okay. You go to your kids and you say, I'm really sorry. I lost my patience. That wasn't my best. I was frustrated. Let's talk this out. And you can do that with your younger ones because what does that show your kids? That shows them a couple of things. One thing it shows them is that, you know what? It's okay to make mistakes. I don't want my kids to feel like, Man, I cannot mess up because they will lose their minds. Like, I've got to be perfect. And I have to do everything just so. No, I want them to have grace. I want them to know it's okay to make mistakes. What do you do with that mistake? Do you own it? Do you go back and apologize and then you move from there? So as parents, the way you model that, it's okay to make mistakes, parents. It's okay to do the wrong thing, to say the wrong thing. Not intentionally, of course. But the second Holy Spirit brings that right back to your attention, head to your kid's room. Hey, I'm sorry. I love you. And that was not my best. And what that communicates to our kids is that we go to the Father. In that moment, it's a great teaching moment that you can tell your kids, hey, Holy Spirit, he checked my heart and told me that, that was not okay, and so I'm in here telling you I'm sorry. And so then they know Holy Spirit speaks. Man, Holy Spirit really loves me if they're going to talk to my mom and dad about me and make sure that mom and dad aren't being mean to me, right? What you say and what you do matters. Dads, let me encourage you and challenge you with this, okay? Y'all are a big deal, you have been given a responsibility, a God-given responsibility. That is not saying the lady said, here, you handle it. No, a God-given responsibility to raise your kids up in the way that they should go, to lead your family, lead your family, lead your family, spiritually lead your family. So it matters what you're doing. They're watching how you treat their mom. They're watching 
how you respond to your neighbor that just irritated the fire out of you on something. They're watching. You set the tone. You set the precedent for how they know how to handle life. And so what are you feeding them? Are you telling them like, shh, go to your room. I don't want to deal with you right now. Or are you saying, hey, let's talk about Jesus a little bit. When they're coming to you with fear, you're telling them, hey, remember, God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And you just keep telling them and you keep pouring it in until they're sick and tired of hearing it. And right about then, they maybe have started hearing it enough. I mean, there was a season of life where one of our kids was, I'm scared about this, I'm scared about that. God didn't give you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. They're like, I'm so tired of hearing that. Good, good. I'm glad you're tired of hearing it because it's the truth. Your words matter. It's the truth. And that's a teaching moment that I get to have with one of our kids to impart God's heart to them, impart his goodness. That's our job as parents. It's not to You do what I say when I say it. No, our job as parents is to impart the heart of the Father in our kids. It's to mirror the heart of the Father that when they see us and when they see the way that we act and the way that we respond, that what they're hearing and what they're seeing is the heart of the Father, a Father that loves them unconditionally, a Father that gives them grace and mercy. It's okay to mess up. That's what our kids need to see. Our kids need to know who they are in God. How do they know that? It's in the word. So you do your job as parents and you get in the word and you find out what the word says about you and you understand God's goodness. You understand how much God loves you. You understand who you are in God and then you start imparting that into your kids. You start telling them that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You've got the mind of Christ. You're a daughter of the one true king. You're a royal priesthood. You're an heir to the throne. That you can boldly go to the throne of grace. Boldly. Doesn't mean we sneak in like, oh man, I messed up. No, boldly. We can boldly go to the throne of grace. We impart that into our kids. And then our kids get their identity from that. They start to understand and they start to know Man, I'm a pretty big deal. Yeah, you are. You're a huge deal. Because you carry the kingdom mindset on the inside of you. I'm going to tell you this. I get to work with the kids in Mount Carmel. And it is amazing. Those kids are on fire. And I know the kids here are on fire. And why is that? Because kids, when we tell them something, they're like, yeah, okay. They don't think about it, right? They don't let the world come in yet to say, no, this is not really, I'm not sure about that. I'm kind of questioning that. Are you sure that's the truth? I don't really know. No, these kids are like, hey, God loves you and you're a daughter of the one true king. And they're like, yeah, I'm a daughter of the one true king. They're on fire. Why are we squelching that fire Monday through Saturday as parents? Why are we doing that? Don't do that, guys. That hour that they get here is amazing. It's an appetizer. They need to be getting the full course meal from us day in, day out, 24-7. That's all they're hearing is the voice and the heart of the Father coming out of their parents into them. Amy and I had a conversation with our amazing Rhodes Kids pastor, Charla, 
And she shared with us that what she was feeling, that what was on God's heart is parents, he wants us to communicate his love and his goodness to our children. But we have to grab a hold of that first. We have to believe that in here. We have to. Because once we believe something, then our actions will follow. But before we believe it, it just sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher to some degree, right? But once we get it into our heart and we start believing our, our actions will follow. So let's start believing that, that God loves us. He loves us unconditionally. That, that will never, ever change. And God's good. As a matter of fact, his goodness draws men into repentance. It's his goodness. It's not fancy words. It's not whatever you want to feel. It's his goodness, the goodness of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.